Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, Centered from Reality Podcast. It is January 16th. That means it's a Tuesday, the day after Martin Luther King holiday, and it's back to normality for a moment. And yesterday, obviously, I talked with Drew Nepley. You guys heard part one of that interview. God, I I just got to say, it's really nice having Drew back. Obviously, I've had fun doing Centered from Reality, doing my own thing, just doing whatever I want. But every time him and I do a podcast, I just kind of reflect on how fun it was from, oh, God, I guess it was 2018, 2019 to 2021, him and I's time doing it. You know, we put out some good content, had some good guests, and sometimes agreed, sometimes disagreed, and it was just a really good time. So it's always nice to have Drew back. And in a few moments, you guys will hear the second part of our conversation where we get into Israel, Gaza, Hamas, the Netanyahu government, how Biden's responding, all of that fun stuff. But first, I just wanted to start by talking about Iowa. And it was Drew last night, we were texting, he brought this to my attention, that Vivek has dropped out. So first and foremost, I should say that within 31 minutes of the Iowa caucus starting and everyone being tallied, Donald Trump was declared the winner. (laughs) If you're Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, it's not particularly a good sign when it's literally 30 minutes in and 1% has been counted, and they can already predict Trump winning. So the interesting thing, though, to take away from this is that Ron DeSantis, as of now, with 95 plus percent counted, just a caveat, I'm recording this late Monday night, so things could have changed. But as of now, Ron DeSantis in second. So Trump right now, 54,783 votes with 19 delegates. The Sanctimonious, 22,803 with eight delegates. And Nikki Haley, 20,000 with seven delegates. So Trump has 51%, Ron DeSantis, 21.2%, and Nikki Haley, 19.1%. I am... This is going to be interesting for our good friend Rob DeSanctis here because I assumed he was going to lose to Nikki Haley. I'm wrong. And this basically means that maybe he stays in for New Hampshire. And honestly, if I was his team, I'd be kind of wishing he just got third so they could get out of this and save face. But now the big question is, does DeSanctimonious stay in? Does he get out? That is beyond me at this time. We'll probably learn more in the next day or two. And if you're Nikki Haley, I don't think much changes at this point. You're just hoping for a strong New Hampshire. So I don't really have too much to say on her at this time, just because we'll have to see what transpires in New Hampshire. Now, what I will say about Trump's 51 to DeSantis's 21, literally Trump won by about 30 points, 29.8 if you want to be specific, but Interestingly, I mean, 51 is good, but again, I'm looking at, (laughs) I'm looking at if this was all consolidated on paper, you could technically have like a 51 to 40 if Nikki Haley was the only one running against Trump. But then again, DeSanctus voters would probably go to Trump over Nikki Haley. It gets really nuanced and really complicated. So I'm interested to see this. Now that Ryan Binkley guy that Drew and I were talking about, He came in with 754 votes ahead of um, Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie, which will surprise literally no one. But one way or another, Trump has has 51% in this. Obviously, this isn't actually that important going into the general or anything like that. But what it tells me is that half of voters in Iowa that did this caucus went in, made their points clear. 
half of them didn't want Trump. And if you want to be cup half full, that means almost half of Republicans in Iowa that participated in the caucus wanted someone else. Now, the other thing here is that Vivek has ended his presidential campaign. Now, you guys are going to find this fun. I'm going to read just what his campaign watch party in Des Moines said. CNN writes here in quotes, Vivek said in quotes, I will stick to the truth tonight. The first hard truth, and this was hard for me, I got to admit this, but we've looked at it every which way, and I think it's true that we did not achieve the surprise that we wanted to deliver tonight. I don't know what surprise he was expecting. Like, a lot of MAGA, a lot of Republicans like Vivek. That is no doubt. But also at the same time, Vivek is Vivek, and he's also popular with MAGA, so he was like MAGA's second or third choice. Yeah, he did the Grassley, which means he went to every county and precinct in Iowa. He did it twice. He did like over 300 events, more than all the others combined. But when you're the alternative to Trump, it doesn't really matter, right? So, of course, he's endorsed Trump. He said in quotes, Earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulate him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. Really shocking. Really shocking. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Like, that, none of this surprises me whatsoever. But, you know, Vivek is slimy. It is just fascinating to see his fall, where he went from criticizing Trump in one of his most recent books to now literally just, just endorsing Trump, going along with Trump, doing everything Trump wants, and also just peddling Trumpy conspiracies. So Iowa guys, not very surprising. I am, I am interested to see what Ron DeSantis does next, though. Anyways, here is part two of my conversation with Drew Nepley. We talk about more foreign policy, but because it's Israel and Palestine, we end up talking about the United States and how domestic policy and college campuses are all intertwined. So give it a listen, and uh, we'll be back soon. Well, obviously, whoever's elected, or not elected, but is the Republican primary winner, kind of going to be important for like the plethora of chaos we have going on. I mean, looks like we have an expanding Middle Eastern conflict. The Ukraine stalemate is getting worse, it seems like, and I'm kind of worried about what happens there. China trying to stop that recent election in Taiwan. Um, Israel's, you know, leveling Palestine. Um, I don't know. Just what do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, you touched on a little bit earlier where, like, obviously the Biden administration is having not its best moment. And, and um, it has a really tough line to follow. Right where it's like they have uh, we the United States is committed to supporting the state of Israel and its existence and has been for decades, and that's not necessarily going to change anytime soon. But you're right that Biden also has now political pressure from his left for how Israel's handling Palestine and its kind of you know indiscriminate bombings, well reported by uh, various mm -hmm. news sites, uh, body counts into the tens of thousands at least. Um, even if we take a conservative estimate, you know, that's just not a good look. And the international community has started to put pressure on Israel and the United States, including just recently South Africa at The Hague, doing their kind of laying out their um, their argument that there's a genocide happening. And so there's like this like international pressure as well as local, you know, um, in, in the United States pressure, especially from like, very far leftist in the, in the cities, right? You just had DC had a huge protest, New York's having huge protests uh, on this like free Palestine kind of vibe, you know? And Biden is going to need 
some of those people. He's going to need young people to come out and vote for him. He's going to need to keep them, you know, in his wing, especially in some areas like Wisconsin and Michigan. There are a significant number of large Muslim communities that used to vote for Biden that might not now. That could could potentially not necessarily a death knell, but could potentially swing Michigan half a point one way, which is enough to do damage. So Biden has a tough job. And I, I, I think that you're right that he's attempting at trying to quell Netanyahu's raid, but also reinforce the you know, American uh, um, you know, military support for Israel. Uh, and that's a really tough knife to balance. And, it's, and I think even if you try, you're going to piss a ton of people off, especially with a conflict like this. So I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with what's going on over there. I think Biden's doing the best he can, but it doesn't mean it's good enough. Yeah, no, I think that's very, very well said. And, you know, I've I've kind of come full or just I, I've shifted on this a lot. Like, you know, October 7th happens and I'm I'm like, yeah, I mean, well, I, I said on October 7th, I was like, this is a response to the Abraham Accords. Trump pretty much, again, isolates Gazans and Palestinians. And and I'm like, this is a this is like so many people. There's so much just vitriol online about it. And I'm like. October 7th wasn't the start of this. Yes, it was an atrocious event, atrocious event. And of course, you have a responsibility to respond to it. But you don't I mean, it's almost impressive how quickly Israel lost the the moral argument. You know, it's it's very fascinating just how quickly. And, and I've been covering Israel on this podcast for years now, talking about just the extremism in Netanyahu's government. And I think this is a lesson to Americans is like, if you have a guy who wants to run for office to to avoid criminal prosecution, he's going to do whatever he can to form a coalition with some of the worst people. And then this happens, you know, and and it just seems I mean, this government is radical and I don't Netanyahu's not saying it, but you have the Ben Gavids and others that are they they do want to exterminate the, the Gazans if they could. And it's a really tough one because. Now you're at a point where I, th I think it's a bad situation for Israelis too. Like it's it's a bad situation where right. now the world's against Israel's existence in a sense, not existence, but just the legitimacy of Israel. I would say. I, th I think it was a. I think it was, I read an Israeli paper that was for de-escalation, but it was really you know it's from the Israeli perspective, and they were talking about how Netanyahu needs Hamas, and Hamas needs yet Netanyahu. Exactly. Hamas is Hamas is thriving off a powerful authoritarian military figure, right, in, in, in the charge of Israel and the IDF and using them accordingly and doing the discriminative bombings. Um, that all just fuels their narrative, right? That Hamas, like Hamas is like, look, they're, you know, they're bombing civilians and they're blowing up your homes. When you come back to a rubble-filled Gaza, we're going to be right there to hand you the AK and fight your oppressors. And then on the other hand, Netanyahu needs Hamas. Netanyahu loves the fact that there's a neighbor right there with a bunch of like radical Islamist, young terrorist types to just fuel the fear mongering and to put in the power. And, you know, and unfortunately, it's a ton of people in the middle that get caught. Um, and I just I just don't know what the long term game plan is. It's like short term. Yes, you want to get rid of Hamas. Like, no, I, any sane person does not like pro terrorism. But long term, when you're bombing 70% of Gaza, you know, 70% of the city of Gaza, Gaza City is now in rubble. I mean, that's an insane ratio. Uh, even if that's even if we cut that in half, let's say, oh, OK, the reports are overblown. OK, so 35% of the city is in rubble, a third. Like, that's insane. 
when people come home to that, when they move from the south back to the north, they're gonna they're not gonna come back to like, oh, now I want to go to the the diplomatic table with a nuanced approach. No, they're gonna be pissed. <laughs> they're gonna be increasingly radicalized. Uh, so I don't understand what the long term game is. If Hamas, mm -hmm. if it's not Hamas today, it's ISIS tomorrow or whoever else or the PGC or the other plethora of rebel groups that. Like, I, what's the game plan here? Just leave a pile of rubble on, on your doorstep and expect people to come out of it with, like, a good society? Yeah, and it, well, I mean, it, I think the extremists, because they're in an echo chamber, I think they genuinely think that they can convince the UN and the United States to pretty much annex Gaza and then be, like, a peacekeeping force for a while, which I could entertain the idea of Israel and Hamas leaving Gaza, which obviously isn't going to happen, but putting in some sort of UN political forces to try to help prop up election councils for a while, you know, and try to at least foster some sort of stability. But it more sounds like they kind of want the US and, and other like Western countries to basically help just kind of control Gaza, and then just send the Palestinians other places, right? And like, that I don't think the I don't think Biden would ever let that happen. I do think Trump probably would just based on the rhetoric we hear from even the Nikki Haley's and the DeSantis types, like they've said, let Israel do what it needs, what it needs to do, finish the job. Like, I don't like when you're talking about a people finish the job is never particularly a good rhetoric. Right. And, and so like, I think there are extremists in both our government and in the Netanyahu Likud coalition that um, kind of see this as no, there's no innocence involved in this. Yes, I mean, yeah, everyone's getting lumped in now with everyone else. You know, if you're if you're if you're saying free Palestine, you're certainly pro Hamas. I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, if you're saying, you know, I do understand a lot of people on the Israeli side think like, oh, we have to right to defend ourselves. That's definitely true, but that doesn't mean a leveling schools and hospitals. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what is the greater Arab community and the greater Muslim community? You know, how are they taking to it, right? Like Egypt is closing its border to Palestinians. You know, they're not really helping any of the refugees. Um, now we have like the Houthis in Yemen shooting missiles at ships, which is like, okay, come on, we can't let you be doing that. Like, you know, like, I don't know, it's very complicated. It's very complex <laughs> and it's very difficult. And it's, um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I feel like we're walking in eggshells every time I talk about it with people because of, how intense it is of a, of a discussion these days yeah i was talking with a friend whose family is orthodox jews and they're definitely on the far left and everything else and then they were just kind of talking about how it's it's just kind of like a a topic you don't discuss and they were even like yeah i think this probably could be a genocide even though it should go in front of the human human rights councils and the courts and we should litigate it and you know but but either way, they're like, this is a humanitarian nightmare. But but I do think there's a lot of um, misinformation on both sides because I I hate myself. So I'll go on to Instagram and look at some of my very pro Israel or pro Palestinian friends posting stuff. And some of it, I'm just like, OK, like it's always from Al Jazeera, which which is a Qatari funded outlet, which obviously is biased. But they're all acting like that's only the truth. And. I just and then you find the other side is the same where it's only focusing on the babies and you know October seventh and it just feels like 
nuance is out the door completely in this. And, and I, and I think, I think I understand the protests and why people are obviously angry at the Netanyahu government, but I, I think, I don't even know how to articulate it. It's just like, I, I think some of the vitriol backfires and pushes more centrists and maybe conservatives that need to hear it. It pushes them to just think they're crazy. It, Right. Well, and yes. And, and then now it's like, you know, you have things like anti-Semitism, which is a real problem and is consistently been a problem in American politics of anti-Semitism. But now it's like being used in, in other ways where it's like, you, have, you definitely have some people being anti-Semitic about what's going on. And then you have other people being like, I'm just criticizing the IDF's actions in Palestine mm -hmm. and it's like well now you're anti-Semitic it's like no that, that's not what I'm saying and it's like a lot of these complicated terms are being thrown out so quickly um, or being co-opted right mm -hmm. and so it's like suddenly suddenly any kind of questioning about what's going on is anti-Semitic I don't think that's necessarily true right mm -hmm. um, nor do I necessarily agree with everyone I see at these protests you know um, I don't necessarily believe in like yet chanting from the river to the sea and stuff. Like there's a lot of propaganda involved, but not everyone is understanding where it comes from. And it's very, it's just like, fuck man, that's not simple at all. It's not simple at all. Um, and it's, it is, it's very interesting to see a very, it's one of the largest and most noticeable wedges I've seen in the far left. Um, mm -hmm. where like you said, you, you can have like very progressive Jews have a certain opinion on it. And this, I've also seen Jews be pro-Palestine, but that's not to say it's a monolith at all. But I'm just, for example, I have also friends in Los Angeles that are like Jewish, very pro-Israel, but also very left-leaning and progressive that have come to come to, like, have come to some serious wedges with other progressive leftist friends. And, and it's interesting to see that large of a wedge be split between what used to be a pretty unified left for a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's really fascinating. And like, I think it's the, my theory is it's kind of the intersectionality side of it is where like, we don't, I mean, we, we I think we did a podcast on intersectionality at one point back in the day, but it's, it's this kind of short circuits intersectionality because you, you have a whole like more progressive side that adheres to that as a philosophy on how to look at the world, right? And so this one's tough because you have like a, a white, I mean, the Jewish people are not technically all white, but it's like considered not a, a, a minority in, in kind of the more modern context of intersectionality. And also it's in a lot of Western countries, a, a group of people that has done well financially and has a lot of support from the United States and Palestinians are poor and oppressed and darker skinned. And yeah. it does kind of create this weird overlap where the Jews have been historically oppressed, but so have the Palestinians. And it's, it's hard to use some of that language, I think, to kind of, it's it kind of almost shows to me the contradictions of some intersectional ideas in a sense where you have two people historically oppressed but from different ways and now you almost have to pick a side and obviously Israel's more powerful i mean it it gets just really chaotic you know it does it does uh, and it goes to show that like um historically oppressed peoples can also do oppressive things <laughs> you know and that goes for anyone and everything and uh, you know i mean it's not like a it's not like a, oh well if you were oppressed at one point in the past then like 
then you're good from now on. Like you, you know, you're going to be suddenly the moral, have the moral high ground in the future. That's not true. Um, any, any kind of society can go down dark paths and make mistakes. Yeah. And I, and I, I bet the kind of historical trauma of the Jewish community leads to being somewhat defensive and feeling like the need to be aggressive. You know what I mean? I'm sure. I'm sure. And, 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 you know, again, like you said, it's not like it started uh, October 7th, like, there's whole wars fought over Sinai and, and the, you know, seven days war. Like there's been multiple series of wars and conflicts between the Israeli state and its neighbors, obviously before the Israeli state with the creation of the Israeli state in 47 and the kind of the pushing out that had to happen to do that. There's even a, a, a video you'll see Truman just explaining very brief, like very matter of fact, like, and we have to move the Arabs out. <laughs> Like, nice. Like, how do you do that? How do you actually do that? <laughs> um, you know, it's so this this trauma can go back deep for both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard for us, I think, for you know, it's hard for me certainly to really understand all that. Like I, I'm not there on the ground, but like that that really deep cultural conflict, it's hard for me to get. No, absolutely. And and I, I think all that's been lost just because like kind of the TikTok internet culture has just kind of hijacked it. And I don't think that's really, you know, productive either. Um, I, I'm fine with the protests. And I think it's, I've, I've kind of actually defended the Harvard president somewhat and others. I don't think her words were well chosen. I also, the plagiarism thing, I'm like, okay, get the F out. But I, I defended the context thing she was saying, because I, I do think a lot of people are calling everything anti-Semitism and a lot of these people are just, and I, I'm a free speech absolutist. So I'm like, as long as you're just, you can protest and say death to Israel as much as you want. Like as long as you're not harming students or going further than, and, and that's what she said is, is we would have to look at the context of this. And I, and I do think free speech at this point, like there was an interesting discussion between Vivek Ramaswamy and Megan Kelly of a Twitter war. Cause she wanted all of the protesters to be, um, kicked out of school and never hired again. And Vivek, actually, one of the things I agreed with him, he was like, "There's a, he's like, I said a lot of stupid things in college. And he's like, it shouldn't ruin the rest of your life to, you know, maybe say some things you regret. I think, I think everyone does. And we're seeing an interesting schism, even on the right with kind of the populist Vivek types who are like, no, no, we're, I'm an absolutist. And Megyn Kelly, kind of a traditional one who's like, we're Ron DeSantis, we're going to ban Palestinian protesters in Florida schools, you know, it's like that. I'm not for that at all. I'm with Vivek. Don't take that out of context, please. But, <laughs> uh -huh. but I think, I think that's, that is a good response though. Like, yeah, you have to let, you know, my opinions have changed over time. You have to let people believe what they believe and make mistakes. And as long as you, like, like you said, as long as it's free speech, go for it. Plus again, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been to all of them. I had actually I've like been to some of these protests that were happening uh, at the end of last year, at the end of 2023. And uh, a lot of them were like put on by like, there was one in DC that was put on by a, a Jewish like students group. So it was like run by a Jewish students group and it was a free Palestine protest. And it was like, and there was a couple Orthodox Jews there with the curls and they were all with signs that were like, and it's almost like, and the cease, like stop the, stop the fighting, uh, ceasefire now kind of stuff. And uh, it seemed pretty peaceful to me. It didn't seem any, like anything too, hateful i can't say that for everyone but like it didn't like the kind of rhetoric i saw at that protest was not like burn israel to the ground right no it wasn't like what they were what people chant in like iran which is like death to america death to israel of course some people do say that but i think for the vast 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 majority of like protesters and like the 
UK or the United States, that's not really the rhetoric that's going on right now. I think it, I think I would encourage people to go down to those protests and just see for yourself. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, maybe they should send Ron to Sanctimonious down to one to kind. Of, but but I think you're right. I, I think that's a really good point. And I've I haven't been to one, but I've heard very similar things. And the toxic people, the the minorities online will make it up to something that it's not. You know. Okay. For the last few minutes, we have. I I just wanted to say so like getting out of Gaza and Israel for a moment. I think we're seeing Iranian Axis growth has kind of backfired. Like they've been propping up the Houthis. Hezbollah, um, Hamas, just to name some. And it seems like Iran does not want a conflict with Israel or the United States, clearly. But like the Houthis have never bowed down to authority very well. Iran's made them actually probably one of the best forces in the Middle East in terms of carrying out these attacks. And like some foreign policy people think like Iran might inevitably now be pulled into this because they've tried to, you know, just foster Iranian Shia radicalism kind of around the region, you know. I don't know. I think they're going to leave them out to hang. I think they're going to leave them out That's to dry. And you know, the Houthis, the Houthis, like they've been fighting the Saudi Arabians for forever. Um, you know, or at least Saudi Arabian mercenaries. Um, but like, yeah. I think at any, I think at any point, like, I think if if United, if the United States and Western powers really wanted to squash that kind of uprising, they they could go ham, and they just haven't yet. Um, True. And uh, and like, you know. Uh, you know, Hezbollah is one thing, but I feel like if, if if stuff really starts to hit the fan and Iran is like you know facing another becoming a, even more of the pariah state than it already is, uh, I think they just leave out the Houthis and Hezbollah to dry. I don't think they're going to like back them up all the way to the you know they're not going down with those ships. They're not worth it. They're 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 pawns in their game, and if they're no longer of use, I think they leave them out. Well, I yeah, think the they... Houthis are about to get. I think the Houthis are about to get donked on. I think. I <laughs> know. I was I was glad Biden in the UK carried out a, a bombing offensive on him because like it's this is international trade. Like 30 percent of container ships go through that region. Like it's it's a, like actually the funny thing is, is the UN Human Rights Council, one of the U human rights, one of the UN, they held a vote um, and Russia and China actually didn't vote to um, didn't vote against the United States and the UK um, because, you know, Russian oil need, has places it needs to go to. <laughs> like China has things that need to get through there, right? Like it's not a yeah, popular exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why I think Yvonne as well is like, uh, okay, like I know we've been using these guys, but like if shit really hits the fan, we start getting real trouble. Like, no, that's not my. I don't know who they are. That's not my buddy. That's not my <laughs> friend. You know? Because yeah, I think they're just causing a nuisance. There's gonna be a nuisance to people. What about Hezbollah? So, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a little bit more like they actually know how to actually carry out terrorist attacks when, more so than the Houthis historically. So, you know, they they might be a threat. They're obviously going to be more active in, in the West Bank, I imagine, um, mm -hmm. and try and do operations there. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see, man. We'll, we'll have to <laughs> I would see. not want to be anywhere near what's going on over there. Personally. No, no, me neither. I, I'm glad to be sitting here right now because it's. It, it's there's like multiple little different tinder boxes that are just ready to pop off so well yes i gotta i gotta eat some food it's uh i, I did a long run today and uh, yeah i gotta eat some food i feel like you do a long run every day yeah 
Yeah, it's because I was I was supposed to be called in to help, and then last minute they told me not to. So I was like, I'll do a quick run before because it. I call it active meditation. Like, I'll, I'll listen to a book or a podcast, and I, I don't know. I just like kind of get off into it, and it's one of the only things that really makes me like super calm. So that's good. Yeah, no, it's 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 nice, you know, and yeah, I had to had to kind of I, I have to do something very healthy if I'm going to eat cheeseburgers and stuff, which I struggle to stop. So, <laughs> and, it, and it's really That's fun. I'm, I'm training for an ultra marathon, hopefully, in the next few months. So, should be fun. awesome, man. Well, good luck. And uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean about like getting into the long runs and get to kind of like a meditative state. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. So you've been running a bit, right? Not as long, not as much as you have, but yes, That's I okay. have been doing some trail running and I've been doing some running. I've been doing some jogging around my, uh, my, my new city. That's for sure. I love it. I love it. Well, as always, it's, it's fun to catch up. I, I do think you and I have been somewhat vindicated in the craziness of the Republican party. I remember after 20, 2020 or like even up like prior to that, when we would do the live stream, some people would say we were like overreacting and Trump's not too bad. And he's just a normal politician. And I don't know. I, I feel like, feel like as time has gone on we've been more right than wrong about the trajectory of the republican party for sure the trajectory of the republican party yeah i mean gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) unfortunately but i appreciate it i always like coming on the podcast man it's nice to chat nice to talk politics and uh yeah it's always a good time man always a pleasure absolutely well Maybe we'll have you back before the 2024 elections. We'll get you back every 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 six months or so to, you know. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, maybe I can give some insight into the advertising part of that once it sort of starts to really go for it. Would love it. Would love it. Yeah, we'll we'll do that for sure. And as always, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. You guys know the rest. Have a great night. Thank you. <laughs>